Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the balance, a very special balance, abbreviated balance uh, today, if you will. We'll get back on uh, t- target next week. Uh, but this week, it's Daytona 500. We welcome back NASCAR into the world of sports. NASCAR certainly has one of the shortest off-seasons of all sports. And today, we're going to be talking with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, I believe he's scheduled to call us from Daytona. And Tony D. from the Tony Donahue podcast is going to be – Tony Donahue from the Tony D. podcast. Let's get that backwards. Is joining us also to help us break down the, today's action in Daytona. Lots of racing to go on. Lots to talk about as we kick off this week's uh, – this year's uh, NASCAR 2021 NASCAR season. My name is Sal Marquez, 917-889-8516 is the distance. If you want to jump in, give us a call, and let's go racing. Cherry Coke Town. Mama and Daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by barbed wire fence. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 
morning face you get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. Ow, they're right in my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Make sure you got your Black Rifle Coffee as well. I tell you what, we appreciate being partners with them. They're a great organization. Uh, join the coffee club. They got all kinds of coffees that you can think of. I, I'm having a cup right now, as a matter of fact. And the, the great thing about it is every 14 days you got a bag or two or how many bags of coffee that you sign up for uh, delivered to your door. And the great thing about it is uh, every bag you, ba- you buy, they match free of charge to the first responders and veterans. I have a friend whose son is deployed in the Navy, and that's all they serve coffee-wise of the Navy is Black Rifle Coffee. Joining us now from Daytona, Florida, is uh, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway uh, Digest. is down in Daytona. Also, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Uh, Steve, how are you? How's things going down there in Daytona? Well, I'd like to say that it's better, but currently it's raining here, so I just put a I little just, bit of a hold on the day. I was just getting ready to ask you about that. I saw the radar about that. Uh, well, see, it sounds like you're driving, so uh, when you when you find a way to get some Black Rifle coffee, get you some. Tony Donahue, Tony D Podcast. Tony, I know you're not in Florida. We're not dealing with rain here in Indianapolis, but, man, it sure is cold. Yeah, we're dealing with a, with snow and cold and more on the way. So um, I will be on the couch with a nice cold beverage all weekend, wishing that I was in the warm comforts of Daytona. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into this. Obviously, uh, we'll, uh, Steve, we'll start with you. Last night's truck race, a uh, great win, great race there. Uh, what a better way off uh, way to kick off the race weekend than with uh, a good truck race. Uh, break that down for us. 
We'll get into some of the races today and, of course, tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, kind of a bit of a chaotic race last night. Out of the 36 trucks that started last night, only four of them had not been in some kind of incident by the end of the race there. Um, you know, there was a, you know, a lot of good trucks that were running up front there uh, throughout the race, throughout the different periods of the race. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, as chaos erupts around Daytona, uh, you know, those trucks get knocked out throughout the race. But it was at the end of the night, it ended up being Ben Rose. Um, who hasn't won since about the midpoint of last season after a return of NASCAR and um, getting back, uh, you know, they, they, they were hoping that, you know, they could, uh, you know, do a little bit better last year over at Thor's Ford, but this year they moved from Ford back over to back to Toyota again and uh, put Toyota in victory lane with Thor's Ford as the first uh, victory of 2021. Tony, did you get a chance to t- uh, catch out that uh, truck race, obviously ending in overtime down there in Daytona? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the NASCAR truck series. And, you know, as you mentioned, it, it, it was chaotic. And you've got a guy like Ben Rhodes coming back. Jordan Anderson had a really good chance of winning. Um, he's been showing some progress. Um, you know, you had guys up there. Corey Roper, I mean, people thought Corey Roper off corner four was going to pick up his first career win. Truex was, it was just, you know, guys that, maybe you don't think are normally up there when you go to the cookie cutter mile and a half ovals, you know, but, but, but it was anybody's race. I thought John Hunter Nemechek had had the best truck early on. Um, that didn't really translate as he got pushed back. Some of the strategies that happened, I thought Sheldon Creed had a really good truck as well. He ended up finishing sixth um, after collecting some pretty good stage points throughout the night. So I thought it was a very entertaining um, race and, and, and the field was very diverse. I mean, you had, um, at, at one point, David Gilliland was pushing his son um, to the lead. Todd Gilliland, you had guys like Brett Moffitt struggle. Matt Crafton, um, if, if you didn't get a chance to see it, his entire front left bumper was just covered in duct tape. So it's Daytona. A lot of these car, a lot of these cars or trucks end up looking like they just ran 500 laps at Bristol. Uh, but yeah, as it always does at Daytona, especially at that truck race, it came down to that final turn to see who was going to win it, and it ended up being Ben Rhodes. Yeah, Ben Rhodes is it's certainly one to, to watch uh, for this year. Uh, Steve, uh, I know racing is pushed back a little. I mean, uh, everything's pushed back a little bit because of the rain, uh, but we got a full schedule down there in Daytona. Uh, obviously, two races and uh, some practicing and qualifying. Walk us through today at Daytona. Well, Xfinity should be on the track right now for their one and only practice of the weekend, but unfortunately that's just going to be scrapped at this point. Uh, 30 minutes away from Xfinity Series qualifying. I don't see this getting out of here in time enough for them to, to get the track uh, ready to go. I mean, we're, we're talking 90 to 90 minutes to almost two hours to get the track dry, and, uh, you know, it shows no signs of letting up at this moment. So at this point, it looks like the first official on-track reaction Providing that this clears out of here in the next uh, hour or so will be the ARCA series a little after lunchtime, and then the Xfinity series uh, will roll off at 5 o'clock later on tonight. Now, if the ARCA series can't get uh, rolling by, um, you know, by 2.30 or so, they're going to have to scrap that and move that either behind the Xfinity series race and move that to uh, possibly Monday, you know, at this point. But, you know, that remains to be seen. NASCAR really hasn't said a whole lot of what that'll happen, but hopefully in the next little while we can get this stuff out of here and get the track dry ready to go for Arthur Series Racing World after lunch. 
Steve, as we know, NASCAR was champion them for the way they handled uh, COVID uh, all the way from the beginning to the present. So uh, what's the process? Uh, obviously, you've got credentials to get into the track there, stuff. but what's the process as far as fans and yourselves, as far as getting into the track? How many fans are going to be? I know they're sold out. But how many fans did they allow? House? Uh, do we see an improvement in the way that things are handled with fans and COVID uh, going into 2021? Well, you are starting to see a return of fans as we get. Um, there is limited fan access, not only within the stadium, but also in the infield, as it always has been. And there's temperatures being te- checked, as well as masks being worn coming in. Tomorrow, they're only going to let about 35,000 or so in for the Daytona 500 into the grandstands that hold about 101,000, 102,000 people. So, you know, they've, they've cut it down significantly, but it's more than we've had in quite a while at some of these racetracks. And, uh, you know, NASCAR is trying to get this thing back open. Uh, and there's a lot of social distancing that are continuing to happen as well as the fan experience. Uh, you know, just, just generally overall is, you know, kind of, uh, you know, few and far between as, you know, they try and keep people distanced around here. Uh, you know, NASCAR is trying to reopen. They're trying to, you know, slowly reopen uh, not only racing but to, to the fans but also the experience to the fans. And, and that's something that they've continued to work on. Now, I know yesterday um, Steve Phelps was talking to Fox uh, Sports 1 prior to the Truck Series race. And, you know, these are some of the things that were addressed. And, you know, right now, uh, you know, they said at least for the first quarter or so of the year, that's what we're going to continue to stay in this type of situation, maybe slowly start moving moving uh, up and allowing more people to come into the stands, letting more fan experience things both in the infield and uh, outside of the racetrack start to open and uh, come back onto the, to the schedule. But, you know, as of right now, you know, they're just trying to play it safe to make sure that they can get these races and all 36 races run in the Cup Series, um, you know, throughout the year without any stoppages like we had last year. Tony, uh, Donahue of the Tony D uh, podcast is joining us. Tony, I know you follow NASCAR and IndyCar that, that quite quite efficiently. You know, th- we've got the 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 uh, uh, forty car field set, uh, and we got the pole set. But the you know the duels didn't really go uh, the held Thursday really go well for Hendrick Motorsports, Alex Bowman, and William Byron. Uh, Bowman, who did win the pole, said he heard something in his engine. Uh, what, what do we know about as far as Hendrick Motorsports? What are your thoughts about the, the, the qualifying and, and the pole position for Daytona 500? I think to me, and maybe it wasn't the headlines that people um, went with, but I think the biggest thing out of the duel that I took was Guys, you know, Ty Dillon got got screwed. The guy finishes sixth in his in his uh, qualifying race and doesn't make it in because of a charter system that I think needs to be worked on and needs to be looked at. Um, you know, I, I I hate to call anybody out, but you got you get the Rick Ware racing cars ten to fourteen miles per hour off the pace and getting absolutely blown away, and then you got and, and they're in the show because of the charter system. I think, you know, I don't mind the charter system for every other race. I get it. From the from the business standpoint of it, but for Daytona, it should be the you know the best car should get in. And, and Ty Dillon finished at sixth in this duel, was ran the top ten the entire night, and doesn't get into the Daytona 500. Um, was was very disappointed by that. Um, but you know the, the first race is very calm. Eric Almirola doing what Eric Almirola does seems like he's always there at the end. Um, you know he was he was set up to win the Daytona 500 a few years ago, and then Austin Dillon hooked him and put him in the wall in the last lap. 
but the second duel was very chaotic. Um, you know, we, we saw some incidents. Uh, Bubba Wallace looks really good. Christopher Bell looks really good. I thought William Byron looked really good until he got into that incident. Um, I think Hendrick Motorsports' best shot is Chase Elliott. Um, you know, we know the struggles that Bowman has had with the engine and then Byron with, with, the, uh, with the wreck. And then, honestly, once that green flag fell and, and, and they went Grayson on that duel too, I don't remember them mentioning Kyle Larson at all. I think Kyle Larson was just kind of out there riding around just to get more and more seat time, more experience, get back into that rhythm. He's obviously been out of the car uh, for a little, 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 little less than a year. Uh, but I don't even remember mentioning Kyle Larson, a guy that, you know, really only one time has he been a threat to win the Daytona 500, and that was back a few years ago when he was leading on the last lap, and I think lost lost some fuel coming off turn two, and Kurt Busch ended up taking the win. So, um, you know, it, the, the tandem drafting, it seems like each big team, Hendricks got a guy, Penske's got a guy, Gibbs has got a guy that is, you know, Stuart Haas has a guy in Harvick that can get to the front, and then it seems like every team has a guy that's trying to make up some ground. Kyle Busch talked about he wasn't fast enough. He couldn't suck up to the guy in front of him to get to the front. So, um, you know, I was talking about this yesterday on my podcast. You could throw a blanket, I think, over 25 drivers that really have a legitimate chance of being there at the end tomorrow with a chance to win the Daytona 500. Steve, you know, uh, uh, Tony brought up a, a very interesting point about the charters and qualifying, and, and maybe uh, prob- those problems were already discussed. But what, what are your thoughts as far as how the qualifying went and was placed and, in, in, you know, how the Chargers came into to play there, uh, Steve? Well, I guess I'm kind of old school in this fashion is that I don't, I don't necessarily believe that not just this race, but any race, they should lock people in. Um, I think the Chargers have just, you know, again, it's, as Tony said, you know, you have, you have some teams that have bought three or four Chargers and they're now only not in not just subleasing them out to others to make a financial gain out of it, but you also have some that, you know, are putting uh, cars on the track to lock themselves in that are just well off the pace. And then when they get rolling tomorrow, they're going to be so far behind the main pack and the main racing that they're going to be run over within a matter of laps. And I just think that you saw other drivers out there that had a better shot or, you know, unfortunately Noah Bryson, you know, in one of his duels where he, uh, you know, was out because of a wreck, but, you know, I think that they were fast enough, you know, had it not been for, you know, a, a, you know, two or three others that are just too slow, they're just not making it into the race just because they have they have the charters. And I just really honestly, I think it's done a little bit of a disservice into that, and I think it really kind of came out and showed this weekend exactly just how locking these people in and how having multiple charters like that without having called in race cars are, are just, you know, hurting, you know, the qualifying effort out there. And that's, you know, I think the first, the, the fastest 40 drivers should get into the field, no matter what, no matter what weekend it is. I, I kind of have this kind of sitting on the fence post kind of deal where do I think that, you know, should we have anybody that we, that we lock in or even get an opportunity to lock in? I kind of sit on the fence post about, well, do we let the previous season's champion get a shot at it? Because I think they, I think they should get an opportunity because we're a different sport than stick and ball uh, to defend their championship. But then again, in no other stick and ball sport do we say that the previous season's champion gets an automatic bid into the World Series or the Super Bowl or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. 
So it's kind of sitting on the fence about whether I, you know, will even allow, let's say, you know, 39 fastest cars and then providing that the previous champion can't get in on speed, then let them on, let them into the race. I don't know. I think it's a complex situation, and I think it's going to have to be addressed. And I think that NASCAR, you know, they were asked about this already yesterday. And, of course, they want quality cars coming into the race. And, uh, you know, that's what we all want, quality race cars being able to put on the best show possible. And hopefully, you know, this is something that they look at, they address, and then we move on from it. And, you know, whatever we got to do to fix the problem, we'll fix the problem. Hi, hi, caller. Who's this? Okay, well, we had a caller that was on hold there for a few minutes, and we lost him. So if you're calling us from New Orleans, call us back. I would love to have, have your, your thoughts on that. Uh, Tony, let's talk a little bit about a race car owner, a race car driver, a basketball team owner, a basketball legend, and an up-and-coming NASCAR driving. Mix all that together in the mixing pot. You come up with what? Uh, go ahead, Tony. Uh, I'm assuming you're referring to Bubba Wallace. I'm referring to Bubba Wallace. You are so on your game today, Tony. It's unbelievable. Go ahead. What are your thoughts about that whole whole combination, that whole race team? I mean, I love it. I, I think it's great for Bubba. And, you know, he mentioned, you know, he ran well in the duels. I think he finished top three, maybe even second. But he said, look, I still have a lot to learn. I'm, I'm still getting used to it. And what he means by that, it's not that, he hasn't learned in his past races. It's not that he's behind the eight ball. It's just simply the fact that he probably hasn't been in any, in, in, it's not probably, it's for sure. He hasn't been in this good of equipment with, with the chance to be up front consistently. Yes. He finished second at the Daytona 500 a few years ago. Um, that was kind of a chaotic random end there. Um, but, but, you know, I think it's a great combination. I know he's going to run well on uh, the super speedways, but, but my thing for, for Bubba Wallace, it's simply this. Can you go and run well at Phoenix? Can you go run well up front at, at Homestead and some of these other tracks? You know, it, it doesn't really take much to run up front at these restrictions because you can work the draft and get up there, and you just have to be in the right line, and you can be up front all day. But can you go to Charlotte on the Roval and, and be a contender? Can you consistently week in and week out be a contender for race wins and make it into the chase? And that's going to be the that's going to be the big test for Bubba Wallace. I think he's up to it. Um, I love his talent. I love what he brings to the sport. I love the eyes that he the new eyes that he has put on NASCAR, the new sponsors like DoorDash and Root Insurance that he's brought into the sport. Um, I love it. I love Bubba Wallace. But you know, and, and and he'll be the first to tell you, like, look, this is it. Like, here here you go. Here's your shot. You've got help from Joe Gibbs. You got help from Denny Hamlin. And this is this is your chance to uh, to prove that you belong and to run consistently and to set yourself up for a very long future NASCAR career. And I think he's up to the challenge. I'm excited to see how things will, will come together. I, I'm a big fan of Dan, Danny Hamlin. Obviously, you have to be. Well, I don't guess you have to be, but if you're any kind of a sports fan at all, you're a fan of, of Michael Jordan. And certainly uh, Bubba Wallace, is, I, I feel like this is going to be a good combination. Uh, Steve, do you have any thoughts on Bubba Wallace, Danny Hamlin, Michael Jordan? And, and it's, certainly it's going to be history made, at, depending on how he does at Daytona uh, this year. Well, I just want to go back to one point that uh, Tony did make about being in this good of equipment. I mean, at one point, he did race Kyle Busch Motorsports equipment in the truck series. Now, granted, it's not a car, but still, he had good quality equipment there. So, uh, you know, he was able to win races in those of that equipment with Kyle Busch Motorsports. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much our car that if you think about the truck series equipment of 
you know, the, the, the engineering and the support that comes behind that style of equipment. You have that kind of same equipment that is basically a Jogis racing and of a, a 23-8i racing with all the support that Jogis is giving them with the TRD uh, providing the support behind the engines and things like that. So, you know, as Michael Jordan said, they, you know, when they heard, when he was approached about this deal, he said that if he was going to do this deal, then there would be no more running in the back. And I think that's, a, you know, that's kind of the way that you have to look at this. You know, these, these are some of the best race cars in the world. When you get Nokia-style racing equipment with CRD engines matched behind them, you've had the best of the best in the series. And, and, you know, it's hard to say that there's any excuses for not winning. And, you know, Kyle has said this about his own equipment, that we have some of the best in the series. And if you're not winning in my equipment, then I don't know whose equipment you can run in. So that's basically what you talk about when you talk about JGR and TRD matching up and support 23XI racing. They have now some of the best equipment, some of the best engineers in the world, some of the best engines in the world. And now it's time to show that you can win in that that equipment. And I think this is his, this is his opportunity to go out there and say that look, I can win, and I can do the things that need to be done, and I can I can make this team successful. Guys, uh, one of the big questions every year is who's leaving, who's staying. And I think one of the big questions out there, Tony, we'll start with you on your thoughts on Kurt Busch possibly retiring. There's certainly a question mark behind that. One of the things that that I, I found curious or, or interesting to watch, and maybe you saw the video as well, uh, Monster Energy released a video promoting the upcoming NASCAR season. And basically the video opens up with a, you know, a fictitious NASCAR news broadcast, and NASCAR broadcasters discussing the possibility of Kurt Busch retiring at the end of 2021 season. Uh, Bush watched the broadcast from a bar as he shakes his head, and it goes on down, and he gets a call from Gronk, and Gronk t- tells Bush, don't do it, don't retire, take it from me. I guess the question is, Tony, does Kurt Busch retire at the end of the 2021 season? I mean, I'm not sure. That's, that's probably something that Kurt's going to think about later on in the year. He just got married in the off offseason. Um, he's still performing pretty well. Um, I, think it's, I think he's performing as well as that Ganassi car will let him. I think I think the better question is who of these guys that are in new cars besides Bubba Wallace is going to be the one that performs the most. You've got Chase Briscoe moving into the 14. Um, you've got a guy who I think is going to be a, a big-time favorite in tomorrow's Daytona 500 and a very aggressive driver in Christopher Bell. You've got Ross Chastain kind of flying under the radar. He's new to that 42 car. Obviously, Kyle Larson comes to mind in that five. But, um, yeah, you know, it, you, you look at what Kurt Busch has done over the last couple of years and – you know, if he starts running well again, I mean, he he won Las Vegas, he won Kentucky the year before, so he's obviously going to perform on the mile-and-a-half ovals. If he gets another win this year makes it to the chase, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be back. But, again, I can't speak for Kurt Busch. I don't know what he goes through in his daily life or, or what his, his, his future hopes and dreams are. But I know right now he's focused on the Daytona 500. I think he's a guy that's a dark horse tomorrow to maybe fly under the radar because – at Daytona, Kurt Busch knows how to be there at the end. He won it a few years ago. You remember back in, I believe it was 2007, when Jeff Gordon won. He was in the top three. He knows how to save his equipment to the end. So if you're looking for a sleeper dark horse tomorrow, why not start with Kurt Busch? 
Absolutely, and what a great win it would be if this it does, in fact, appear to be his last uh, last season in NASCAR. And certainly, what a what a, a cemented legacy that him and his brother both have made into the NASCAR world. Uh, Steve, uh, what are your thoughts on Kurt Busch retiring? Yes, no, maybe. Uh, is is it is it? Do you think that it's going to happen, or are we just wanting to have something to talk about? Yeah, I'm not sure that he's going to, um, you know, retire at the end of this season. I think he's got at least one or two years more left in him. I mean, look at Kevin Harvick. He's in his 40s, and he's still going, and he's still winning. Yes, Chip Ganassi Racing is, uh, is a little behind the eight ball when it comes to performance, and, and that has shown over the last couple of years. Yet, you know, you've got Ross Chastain, who has come up to Chip Ganassi Racing, and he's ran, uh, you know, some cars over at JD Motorsports and some other places. They have not necessarily had the best backing, the best engineering, the best engines behind them. And he's been able to, to compete. He's been able to, um, you know, put those cars in positions where they would not normally be at if it wasn't for driver talent. And I think Ross Chastain can come in and he could be able to do that. But I think that's helped by the fact that he's got a veteran with Kurt Busch that he can sit there on his team and and work through some of these issues. And, you know, Kurt, Kurt can, uh, Kurt can uh, bring the veteran status into this. You know, Ross Chastain can say, look, this is my experience of being in cars that are not necessarily at the top of their game. And, you know, maybe they can work together and put on a better deal, and maybe that helps them both. Maybe that prolongs the fact of how long Kurt Busch stays at Chip Ganassi Racing or how long he stays in the car. But I still think that he's at least got another year or two or something like that left, and he'll continue to uh, go out there and do what he does with Chip Ganassi Racing. And, unfortunately, I mean, his last best shot that we've seen of him winning was what he wanted Christopher Stewart Haas Motor Haas Racing a couple of years ago, and he's just not uh, been able to be in the same positions that he has over at Ganassi since moving there. But I don't think that's necessarily a disservice. I, you know, Kirk came there to try and change their program, and they needed somebody over there to change their program. Uh, sure, they've they've had uh, you know Paul Larson there at the time, but he's still fairly young in this period. You know, they've, they've had other guys come in and step into that car over time uh, when Paul Larson took the, what left um, because of his issues last year. But, you know, the, the performance wise, they're going to get better. I mean, Ganassi, as we all know, they do well in any car. And, and right now, it just hasn't been, hasn't really necessarily been uh, translating over to the Cup Series. But, you know, they're getting better. Incrementally, they're getting better. And I think that, that's fact that you have Kirk Bush over there, and then now you have a guy like Ross Chastain that are, has a team that kind of has been in this position once. Steve uh, Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, calling us down from what we would normally say sunny Florida, but it's raining in Florida and Daytona. Uh, Steve, uh, do you... Uh, are you going to be able to stay with us? I know that, that the schedules have changed a little bit. Are you going to stay with us, or you still got to go? Well, I'm going to go and try and get far, because this is just okay. out here. I'm, All yeah, right. Yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to try and get parked up today. Okay, buddy. Well, we'll get your stuff posted up on social media, and have a good day down there at, at the racetrack, sir. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. You can follow him on Twitter at Speedway Digest. Uh, glad that he was able to call us today from Florida. He had told me that he could only do uh, 30 minutes anyway, but 
you know, because of the schedule and stuff. So, so Tony, uh, I wanted to spend this time just kind of talk with you a little bit about the 2021 season. I did want to get a recap of your podcast uh, that you did yesterday on the NASCAR season. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Uh, take us into 2021, Tony Donahue. Yeah, I think things are a little bit different this year than what they've ever been with, with, with the schedule and the way it is. There's more road courses. You've got different uh, tracks that NASCAR has never, never gone on. So, you know, in the past, probably the last 20 years, if not the last 30 years, a measuring stick of where you are as far as a good race team and a team that's competitive to win races and contend for championships was simply the fact you need to be good on the one-and-a-half-mile ovals. You need to be good at Vegas. You need to be good at Charlotte, Atlanta. Um, you know, on down the list, Texas, mile and a half, Kansas, Chicagoland when it was on the schedule. Um, you, you needed to be good on the one and a half mile trash because that was half the races. Now it's a little bit different. Now, um, you know, you look at a guy like Chase Elliott who's been dominant um, at almost every track, but certainly road courses. You add a few more road courses, that Bristol dirt race is going to be something fun to watch. I think a lot of guys like Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. that had that experience on dirt are going it, – it, That's and Chase Briscoe, too, uh, that's going to um, be something to watch for. That's going to be fun. It's going to be different. I, I commend NASCAR for kind of taking a look at, okay, and, and, and it may have taken the pandemic and just to look at things with a different angle from a different lens and say, okay, what are other tracks that we can go to? What What's working? What's not working? Okay, this track really hasn't been working. Um, it's the same racing every time we go there. Can we spice it up? Can we can we move to the Daytona Road Course like they like they'll go race next week like they did earlier this week in the Bush Clash? Can we do something different at Bristol? Bristol's kind of you know it used to be action packed nonstop. It's kind of got a little bit more spread out. So how do we take that day race and make it a little bit better? Well, well, hell, let's throw some dirt over the racetrack. So, um, uh, you know, Indianapolis, you know, the Brickyard 400. Yeah, there's tradition and it's. It's the best oval in the world, but the racing just simply hasn't been there and hasn't been worth people's times to tune in. So why not spice that up and go to the road course? I know it's going to be an action-packed race, and I know a lot of NASCAR traditionalists aren't aren't big on the road courses, aren't big, um, you know, on them leaving more ovals to add the road courses. But I like it; it's different. If it works, it works great. You could, but if not, you could always go back. But I would rather see a road course race at Road America or a new race at Nashville than see another boring 400 lap or 400-mile race at Pocono where I fall asleep about seven different times during it. So I really commend NASCAR on, on looking at the schedule, making monstrous changes to it, um, and trying to adapt to a changing world and keeping people entertained when they watch. Absolutely, and I tell you what, I'm looking forward to the 2021 season. Obviously, Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl of NASCAR. Uh, they're, they're the one uh, sport that has their Super Bowl, if you will, at the beginning of the season as opposed to the end of the season. Let's talk about the, the – uh, let's try to get through at least the top ten. We talked about Alex Bowman and William Byron, both uh, Hendricks Motorsports. What are your thoughts on Hendricks Motorsports and those two drivers going into Daytona and 2021? I mean, yeah. I mean, Bowman's got big shoes to fill. I, 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 he was hand kind of selected by Dale Earnhardt Jr. because he did a good job filling in for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Some of the races that Jr. missed his last year with those concussions. Um, you know, it, it is big pressure to be in that 48 car. But that 48 car, even with Jimmy Johnson in it the last couple of years, simply hasn't performed. They haven't won races. Um, you know, they've had some top fives and top tens, but they haven't, they haven't won races. So um, this is. Uh, this is a time that Alex Bowman's going to need to step up. This is his last leg of his NASCAR career. If this doesn't pan out for him, he's going to wind up probably going down and running Xfinity for the rest of his life. I mean, he's never won a race. He's got a chance to um, 
you know, do that this year in that 48 car. William Byron's William Byron is really good on these super speed. We saw him win last year as they head as they went into the chase. We saw him win at Daytona. That 24 car always seems to be up front. Um, but the thing with William Byron is he's got to keep it clean. He obviously didn't do that. In, in the duel, and, and sometimes it's his fault, sometimes it's not, but he's got to keep it clean. Their their best their best bullet in the gun for tomorrow is, is certainly Chase Elliott, um, who is, has been good at Talladega. It hasn't been the greatest at Daytona, and we'll see what Kyle Larson can do. I think Kyle Larson's the type of guy that's going to go ride around in the back a little bit, get get, get his foot get his feet wet, see what his car has, and then and then be there at the end. So um, definitely the, the, the best opportunity for Hendrick Motorsports to get back in victory lane tomorrow um, would be Chase Elliott. And we got uh, Stuart Haas racing, obviously, too. Of, of his, uh, of their drivers are in the top ten. Eric Ola on number three, and then uh, it's certainly Kevin Harvick sit at number eight. Uh, Stuart Haas racing, Kevin Harvick, Eric, Amar- Eric Amarola. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Eric Amarola proved that you know he's got a good car to be up front. He can push. He can be, he can be the pusher. He can be the pushy. And we 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 learned that the other night in the dual race when he won. We know old reliable Kevin Harvick is going to be there at the end. That's just kind of how Kevin Harvick normally does it. It's, it's Kevin Harvick reminds me of, of Scott Dixon. It's kind of amazing that in the in the number one sport or in the number one race in their sport, they only have one win. Uh, a lot of people forget that Harvick won back in what 2005 in that last lap duel with Mark Martin. So um, Stuart Haas got some good cars. Eric Almirola is going to be there. So will Harvick, and I'm interested to see uh, what Chase. Chase Briscoe can do it his first career at Daytona 500 in that 14 car. So you mentioned uh, Austin Dill. Uh, you meant it was Austin that you were talking about earlier, I believe, or maybe it was his brother. But anyway, Austin Dillon, uh, Richard Chil- Childress Racing. What are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, he again, he's he's a Daytona 500 winner. It seems like he rises to the top in some of these races. Um, we know that Childress is right there. He won the duel the other day, but I think that kind of what kind of flew under the radar in that duel for Richard Childress Racing was just how good Tyler Reddick ran. Tyler Reddick had a great run, and and and, and he he was knocking down the door of wins last year in his rookie season. So um, Richard Childress will be there at the end, I think. Austin Dillon's going to be one of those guys, but but don't sleep um, on on their other car because you know that that car Tyler Reddick can, can be there at the end as well. So um, be interesting to see what they do. Um, they've also got Kaz, Kaz Grala in the field making his first Daytona 500 start. That's kind of a satellite team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Richard Childress Racing, I mean, Tyler Reddick has been super aggressive and super fast, so uh, don't don't sleep on him. I'll tell you a guy that I like to watch and have enjoyed watching in the past, and I think he'll do well this week. And you mentioned Dark Horse. This is another Dark Horse that I would look for, and that would be with Joe Gibbs Racing, Christopher Bell. Yeah, Christopher Bell's one of my favorites. Uh, he was aggressive. He was an aggressive pusher on Sat or on Thursday night in the in the duels. He's a guy that that can get there to the front. Um, he ran okay in a little bit lower equipment last year. Now he's got a chance to really shine on this Joe Gibbs racing car. Um, rolls off fifth. If he can keep it clean, um, we'll see what happens. I think Christopher Bell's got a really good shot, as you mentioned, to be a dark horse to win. You know, as as we talk about these big races all the time, uh, uh, Talladega, Daytona, uh, Martinsville, there's always going to be that big one. And, and they, we want to see the big one, but we never want to see anybody hurt. We don't want to see a repeat of, of Ryan Newman. But how good is it to see Ryan Newman, obviously, an Indiana guy, Purdue grad, uh, got a lot of ties here to Indiana. He's an engineer, as we mentioned in the show's past. Uh, how exciting is it to see Ryan Newman actually be able to come back 
two a day, two and a five hundred after that horrific wreck. But he was just walked out of the hospital just a few days after the accident. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just sure goes to show how great these cars are as far as safety um, safety goes. Um, as far as you know, him being able to walk away, but but that's that's the nature of the beast, right, Tom? I mean, look, in order to win the Daytona 500, you got to get to the end, and that means avoiding the big one, and you don't know when that big one is coming. It, it, it's like being out in the ocean and floating around. You know, you know there's a shark out there. You just don't know if it's gonna gonna brush right. up against your leg, gonna take you out, or if you're never gonna see it and you're gonna be far away from it and you don't even have to worry about it. Obviously, that would be the perfect scenario if you're a NASCAR driver. Oh yeah, I wasn't even near the big one, and I avoided wrecks all day, and that's what got me there. I mean. Look, there there is something to be said about the war of attrition and being able to last to the end because if you look at – I guarantee you tomorrow it happens every year in the Daytona 500. You'll look at the top ten, and there'll be your normal cast of characters, the guys that are up there, but then you'll see one or two guys where you're like, there's no way that he'll ever the rest of the season not on a restricted play finish in the top ten. You, you look at guys like Corey LaJoy who had been around at the end that you know normally wouldn't be in the top ten, maybe even a Chris Busher, maybe – like a Joey Gacy type or Anthony Alfredo, just guys that normally week in and week out aren't contending for top tens, but they avoided the wrecks. They stayed on the lead lap. They were there at the end. Next thing you know, they're inside the top ten. Michael McDowell's incredible at that. Michael McDowell is really good at restricted play races. He always seems to be right around the top five at some point, especially towards the end. And McDowell's a guy that, you know, if you're betting and you're looking for some juice, you're looking to win some money, him to finish in the top ten is normally plus money at the Daytona 500. So I would definitely – um, be worth it for you to check that out and see where uh, see where that lies. So, um, but yeah, you, you, like you said, you just got You just got to get to the end. You absolutely just have to get to the end. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, joins us today. Also joined us earlier uh, from Daytona is Steve uh, Wilson. Let's talk about the races on on tap today. Let's start with the Lucas Oil driven by General Tire. Obviously, that's the Arca uh, Menards race series. Uh, what do you see in that race? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of interesting um, scenarios. You've got a couple, a couple ladies running this race, looking to get their first starts, and Gra- Gracie Trotter starts on the front row. Um, you've got Tony, Tony Breedinger. She's ran a lot of USAC sprint cars, especially out here at Lucas Oil Raceway. Um, so that's cool. Uh, Brit- Brittany Zamora, who is making her first career ARCA start, she's actually in the same chassis that was built for Sterling Marlin 15 years ago, back in 2006. Um, you've got young upstart Ty Gibbs, who's won a lot of races on the Arkham Menard series. He's moving up. Tanner Gray is a 17-year-old kid who's got Ford backing. Um, Drew Dollar, who won a lot of races last year and was in the truck race last night, starts on the front row. And a guy that you've got to be a hardcore NASCAR fan to remember, but if you remember back in the 90s, he ran the KFC Chevy, among other cars. But Rich Bickle, coming back to NASCAR after like a 20-year absence, coming back to the Arkham series, starts fourth in today's race. So um, I always say this about, about the Arca race at, at Daytona. Um, it's a miracle if they can get through turn one without a wreck, but it normally ends up being a pretty damn close race at the finish, uh, no, no matter how you spin it. Tonight, obviously, at 5 p.m. is the Xfinity race. Beef, it's what's for dinner, 300 uh, down in Daytona. Uh, certainly, uh, some of the names that, that we, we like to, to look at there is Justin Haley, uh, Noah Garrison, Ross Chastain, Michael Annette. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, on the field today uh, for the Xfinity race? Yeah, I mean, two guys you mentioned right there, and Noah Gregson, who has won at this track before, and he's probably got um, a bitter taste in his mouth uh, because he did not make the Daytona 500, even though he ran 
pretty close to the front, um, you know, in, in the rates on sat on Thursday night. So, um, yeah. And, and, and you look at Austin Cindric on the front row, we know that he's in the Daytona 500 tomorrow. Harrison Burton driving for Joe Gibbs seems to be a guy that is always up towards the front on these tracks. So is Michael Annette, who's won at Daytona and Ryan Sieg, uh, Chase Briscoe, um, at last year's lineup, so that's the wrong lineup. <laughs> uh, they uh, they got me fooled here because they haven't qualified yet. But but yeah. yeah, I mean, you look at some of these guys that you know, Justin Allgaier always comes to mind. Justin Haley, Justin Haley and that team. I know AJ Allmendinger's running as well. Um, you know, those are guys that are always up towards the front. Because Colleg Racing, who has won a Cup race with Justin Haley, has finished one, two, three despite a penalty. Um, a couple of years ago, they've, they've got experienced drivers and AJ Allmendinger. Um, you know, that's a team that you're, that you're going to have to check out as college racing, because they're, they're definitely going to be a team that's going to be up towards the front. Um, no matter what, I'll be interested to see what guys like, um, you know, Daniel Hemrick does with Joe Gibbs, you know, Gibbs has Hemrick, Brandon Jones and Harrison Burton. Harrison Burton is a, is a hell of a driver, especially on these uh, restrictor plates. Uh, Austin Cendrick, as I mentioned, is in this race. But but you've got some names of guys that have a really good chance, like Riley Herbst. Riley Herbst has ran a few Xfinity races, um, but he's coming up to run for Stuart Haas in that number 98 car that won so many races last year with Chase Briscoe. And we'll see what the old crafty veteran Ty Dillon does. Ty Dillon should have made the Daytona 500. He ran sixth in the duel, did not make the race. It's an absolute scam. But I look for Ty Dillon in that number 54 Joe Gibbs racing car sponsored by Bass Pro Shops to be up towards the front all day today in the Xfinity race. Yeah, we were talking about drivers uh, retiring or staying or go who stays and who goes. And one of the other drivers that we had questioned about was Martin Truex Jr. He signed a, a he has now signed a contract extension with Joe Gibbs. Uh, the details of that uh, contract has, has not been revealed, uh, but certainly it's a, a good extension for uh, Martin Truex. He was one that we had a question mark at the end of the season last year. So good to see that they were able to get things worked out. Yeah, I mean, Martin Truex Jr., as you mentioned, and, you know, we, we talked about Kevin Harvick, and, and it kind of goes on in IndyCar, too. It's like, you know, as much as you would love to see a lot of these, um, you know, new kids and new guys get a shot, I mean, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., these guys that are, are seemingly on the back end of their career continue to perform. So, you know, if you're Joe Gibbs or you're Stuart Haas, like, you're not going to take a – competitive driver out of the car just because he's 42 years old so um yeah that was good to see i'm sure we'll see truex for a couple more years and then we'll go from there so let's talk a little bit about ryan blaney and and chase elliott uh in the bush clash uh as far as the the wreck goes and the bumping goes uh blaney was not very happy with chase elliott even though they we don't believe that it was an intentional uh hit but what are your thoughts on that yeah, I mean it's the bush clash. You're going for money. There's no points involved. You're just you're just going for the win, the flat out win. And that's what you know. That's that's what he said. He said, "Look, we're going for the win. It's a road course. We're beating and banging. We're going for it." So, um, you know, it is what it is. They're good buddies. Came down to the wire, and uh, you know, it, it it was a fun race. And and and, and in slides Kyle Busch for the victory. So, um, I was very entertained on Tuesday night by the bush clash. Well, you know the irony of that of. Uh... Blaney's statement and, and the way he reacted, you know, back in 2018 at the at the Rumble in Charlotte, uh, the it very much went the other direction in his favor, and uh, he he seemed to be completely okay with it. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's it, that's that's what happens in NASCAR. I mean, these 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 guys know what what goes around will come around, and just because you get punted one week, you might be the guy getting you be punting the guy next week. So um, it all really comes full circle, does it not? It absolutely does. Well, you know, since we're uh, uh, here in Indianapolis, we'd like to talk about the Indianapolis 500. Uh, let's talk a little IndyCar as we get ready for the Indianapolis 500. It is closer than what we may, may think about when, when we think about how months come together. And, you know, here we are at the end of February, and so May is just around the corner. What do we know about the Indianapolis 500, how it's going to take place, what it's going to take place, how many fans are going to be allowed, if any, or in, in the stands, which I think they're going to allow fans. What do we know about the Indianapolis 500 for the 2021 season? Well, we really don't know anything officially. Um, you know, unofficially, I think we can see 36 cars trying to qualify for the Indy 500, which means three would be going home. Um, for the 500 last year, they had just 33 cars, which was obviously the perfect number because in a pandemic where teams might have been struggling for money and sponsorship, it was I was glad to see that no driver went home. But yeah, I mean it's it's, it's a shorter window, right? Like we waited, we waited from May of 2019 to August of 2020 for the 500. My assumption, I think, what they're going to look at is they're going to they're going to look at 50 percent fans, and that's 50 percent of season ticket or of of already you know prepaid ticket holders. How many of those 50% are going to come? That's another question. Then maybe all of a sudden it's down to 40%. Then maybe you open up some tickets for the general public to be able to snag, and then you just separate them throughout the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which you can certainly do. Um, but I, I think you're looking at some bumping on bump day. Um, the way this vaccination is going, I think you know you won't see too much restrictions as far as qualifying or practice days, but I think you certainly will for, for, for carb day and um, for – for race day, but I think we are going to see fans and we should, it should be set up for one hell of a 2021 Indianapolis 500. Hello. Anybody there? Hello. There. We'll try the effort to get Tony uh, back on. Uh, the internet just went down and came back up, so who knows? Try to get him back on here in just a second here. But we were talking about the Indianapolis 500 and, and the fans, and, and we've been talking with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest earlier on in the broadcast today uh, as far as calling us from from Daytona. So, uh, Tony, if you if you can uh, call back, go right ahead and call back if you want to. Uh, we've got about five minutes left in the show, guys. Nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six is my digits. Give us a call, and uh, and I think we do have uh, Tony back. Tony, are you with us, sir? Yep, I'm back. I got you. Oh my goodness! 
my internet just did one of those like blinks. You know how it just what, takes a quick flash and knocked us off. But we're we're we are back. And I hate to interrupt you on what you were talking about with Indianapolis 500 and Carb Day. So please continue. Yeah, I mean, like I was just saying, we should see fans, and 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 yeah, the, you know, there's going to be social distancing, and you're going to have to to do things that you're probably not used to as you walk into Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But um, you know, it is what it is. Just deal with it, and then let's make the most of it. So let's talk a little bit uh, why we still got you here for a few minutes. Let's talk a little bit about this big news out of Texas and the Texans. Obviously, uh, big news out of there. Uh, what What are your thoughts on on the release of 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 JJ uh, Watts? Uh, a lot of people think that he'll go to the Browns. Uh, there's the Chicago talk. There's also the talk about uh, him joining his brother out in Pittsburgh, which really they've got all kinds of cap issues. Does it make sense for Indianapolis to look at him? I know we got the quarterback situation, but would he be a great addition to the the, the Indianapolis Colts? I mean, absolutely. I mean, how, how how could you say that he wouldn't be? You know, he's a guy that you know is going to be disruptive in that passing game on the defense. He's a guy that is going to that can take over a, a football game at any moment. Um, I I don't think he's going to come here. I think it's either going to be Green Bay, Tampa, or Pittsburgh. He wants to win. He knows Green Bay and Tampa are going to be in contention to win the NFC. Um, his brothers are obviously in Pittsburgh. I would love to see him here as a Colt. Um, but I think that if you're looking for me to rank the five places he's going, it's going to be probably Tampa, Green Bay, Pittsburgh in no order, and then maybe even a Tennessee. I think the Titans are going to make a pursue at him as well. Um, but I, I, I don't foresee him coming to the Colts. I would love it, but I think that's certainly a pipe dream. Pipe dream, yeah, I totally agree. On, on vice versa, talking about pipe dreams, is it presumptive to think that just because you're going to Tampa Bay and it's Tom Brady that you're going to get another Super Bowl? I mean, we joked about it last year. Let's go ahead and just anoint Tom Brady with the Super Bowl, and yet here did it happen. But that's got to be what's on his mind when he considers Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean – yeah, but again, look, everybody thought that this year, and Brady is still Brady, and he's still getting it done. So, um, I think if you look at if you look at where he should go to win a championship, I think one A is Tampa, one B is Green Bay. So, I mean, it, that that that's just where I stand on that, and I I think that he's gonna end up at one of those two. You don't think he'll stay in Texas with the other Texan team, the uh, Dallas Cowboys? Uh, there's certainly a chance, but I mean, if, if if winning is his goal and winning is what he wants to do, I don't think you're going to get that done in Dallas. So we w- would understand Green Bay, and certainly the the uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers there with with Green Bay, but a lot of people don't know that that's his hometown. So you know, when people think about retiring and and, and calling it quits, you know, going back to the hometown's an option. What do you think about Green Bay? Yeah, um, that's a team that can win, and they've got a really good defense. And and you know they just they ran into a red hot Tampa Bay team and a red hot Tom Brady, the greatest in the world. So um, yeah, I mean I certainly think that's an option. That's a place that you can win now. He wants to go somewhere where he knows that he can win now. And I think Green Bay and and Tampa Bay are the two places that you are for sure going to be able to win now. Is it a funny how people stop talking about going to New England? <laughs> They're not talking about that anymore. Yep. What about the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, I know I'm just throwing names out there, but what do you think? I think there's a good spot for him there as well. Yeah, I mean, the the, the cap situation there I don't really know about. I, I feel like they are paying a lot of players. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think there's a chance that he can go anywhere. You, you could throw a blanket over any of the 
um, of the playoff teams and say, okay, would he go there? How would he make that team better? Would that team make it the next step in the right direction? And I think he's an asset to any team that he would join. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be either Tampa Bay or Green Bay for J.J. Watt. Or, and, and then Pittsburgh in the close third. You know, still obviously we're still on the quarterback chase here in Indianapolis for our Colts quarterback. Uh, you know, there's still conversations going on with uh, the the Eagles and Carson Wentz, and I've, I talk to Ed uh, Kratz quite frequently, and he doesn't seem like there's going to be much movement there. Uh, and I've talked to other people who think that that the Colts will go ahead and see what they've got with Eason and uh, start the season with him and maybe see what they can can work out. I, I don't I don't think that they're they're uh, going to sign anybody for a one year contract. What do you where are we at with the with the Colts quarterback? It seemed like the conversation's kind of gone into uh, well, it's a back burner kind of thing. It doesn't seem like it's a top priority and top of conversation that we're seeing coming out of the Colts organization. Yeah, I mean it it, it is what it is, and I think that you know the Colts. I hope they don't fall back on Jacoby, but I do like Jacob Eason. But, you, but he, he just hasn't even been given a chance because there's no preseason games and there's really no snaps available because every snap counted this year for the Colts for him to prove that he could go out there and play. So um, it's still interesting to see, you know, where, where's Derek Carr going to end up? Where's Matt Ryan going to end up? Where is Jimmy Garoppolo going to end up? Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky. You've got all these quarterbacks that still have to find a home. And one of those quarterbacks I think will find a home here in Indianapolis. Well, I hope so. It's certainly going to be uh, uh, eager to, to see how that goes. We've been uh, talking Daytona all day long. Steve Wilson called us from uh, Daytona in the rain down there. It's a, a day full of racing, and obviously the granddaddy of them all is tomorrow. So I would be remiss if I did not ask you for your official Daytona 500 pick, sir. My pick to win tomorrow's Daytona 500 is Ryan Blaney. He's a guy that's got Penske equipment. He's been there at the end of a lot of these races. He's got it done at Talladega a few times. I think Ryan Blaney breaks through for his first ever Daytona 500 win coming up tomorrow. I think Christopher Bell will be a contender down the stretch as well. Bubba Wallace will be there. Denny Hammond will be there. Uh, Joey Logano will be there. But I'm going to pick officially on your show, Ryan Blaney. Okay, and we're going to take that as your official pick. Steve Wilson picked Denny Hamlin, and like I said before early on, I like Christopher Bell, and I think he's due for a big-time win and Daytona. And like you said, you think he's going to be right there. So my official pick is Christopher Bell. Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast has joined us today on our NASCAR conversation as we bring NASCAR into 2021. Uh, Tony, uh, where can people find your uh, works and masterpieces, sir? Yep, at Tony D Indy on Twitter. Uh, my podcast, the Tony D Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, we'll have some fun tomorrow and see what happens. Absolutely, sir. All right, sir, have yourself a good weekend. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast joins us today to help us break down the 2021 Daytona 500. Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest uh, joined us as well, calling us from down in Daytona. So we've got our official picks in. We'll get it up on social media. We'll see what Melissa picked for her uh, pick as well. But I got uh, uh, Christopher Bell, and uh, so we'll see what what happens. And we'll get we'll get all of the the picks up on social media. My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. This is Daytona 500 weekend. It's a day full of of races. A day full of uh, just to. Stay inside, especially if you're here in Indianapolis. And drink some of that Black Rifle coffee. 
and just also remember, don't drink and drive. I didn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.